Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. I was, I was telling uh, our guest, uh, Mr. James Rambo, we will have more guests, by the way. We will have uh, GGR Pirate Radio co-host Steve Monick. He'll be on in uh, just a couple minutes. Same thing with uh, MC Brooks, who is our newest contributor. All right. Don't know if you saw his articles or not, but he wrote a review of Otacon. And he Sweet. also did one from BlurredCon. That's he's, awesome. That's like all he's been doing lately is going to con. So. Check him out. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have MC Brooks on uh, in a little bit. But uh, my DVD choice, after you had mentioned that you had gotten um, – Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing, and uh, it was double feature Last Man Standing and Last Boy Scout. Yeah. I mean, apparently they were just going through the alphabet and saying, yeah. last, last, hey, done, uh, let's do this Bruce thing. Willis thing starts with L. Yeah, we'll go in there with that. There you go. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that Last Man Standing was a 1930s Dust Bowl era. Dust Bowl era remake of Yojimbo. That's Yeah. That's awesome. it's, I think it's like the third remake of that movie. That sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just in general, anytime you can remake a samurai movie, that's a good call. Like, I mean, like Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai. I mean, you know, I, it's funny. I I remember talking to uh, when they when the, the the most recent remake of Magnificent Seven came out. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine about that movie and how you know it's you know obviously it's clearly Seven Samurai. Um, and it's not trying to be like subtle about it or anything. And I was trying to figure out like, well, why? is there such a connection between the samurai and the cowboy? And the conclusion I came to was um, they're both uniquely specific to their culture. The Japanese, the samurai is uniquely Japanese. You know, yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, like a British knight. Yeah, but it's kind of like that, but it's not quite the same. It's, a very, it's very particular to this thing. Um, and because cowboys and samurais have very little in common. Um but uh, you know the cowboy is a very uniquely American thing, um, whether in creation or in just um, association. Uh, so it makes perfect sense that you can get these direct uh, um, uh, comparisons and changeovers between um, American and and Japanese cinema, specifically with regard to them. There was very recently, unfortunately, I haven't gotten a chance to see it, but there was a remake of Unforgiven. As a samurai movie, so they went backwards. Exactly. Um, oh, and that's so kind of interesting. I know, isn't that great? Um, I which, see this. how much do you want to watch Unforgiven as a samurai movie? Because <laughs> Unforgiven is an amazing movie. It's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Watching it as a samurai movie would be wow. Okay, oh, yeah, dude, done. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the movie that I brought up, and and this is how we kind of do things. We, we go off on these rabbit holes. Um, we started talking about my uh, cheap Blu-ray pickup, which was uh, the Rocketeer, which. Just classic Disney it's a quality choice. Like it's it's that eighties nineties era when Disney was pumping out live action stuff that was actually pretty solid. Bit of trivia: Billy Campbell cut his hair specifically to look like Cliff Secord when he went for the audition. Well, there you go. And he got a hair. He was like, "I'm getting this role. It's happening." Well, <laughs> there you go, Billy Campbell. Good job, man. Um, but we started talking about the director of that. That was Joe Johnson. It was, in fact. Who has made a name for himself recently. He's done a couple things. Yeah. yeah. He might might have heard of this one. He, he might. Captain America. Yeah, he made the first Captain America movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, before that, I think the last thing he had made was, or the last big thing he made was uh, Jurassic Park 3. 
Um, oh, that's right, yeah. Which is one of those, like, I want to re- rewatch that. I want to go back okay. and rewatch that movie. You have to go into it with this mindset. Because I remember going to see it and thinking, this movie is going to suck. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if a raptor eats somebody in the first 15 minutes, I'm good. Sure. And a raptor ate somebody within 15 minutes. And I was like, uh, okay. There you go. There was the bar. You guys jumped over it. Everything else is gravy. Exactly. <laughs> I expect nothing else. We're good. Let's do this. It's yeah. got a great cast. It really does. Yeah. yeah William H Macy and Taylor yeah. Leone. And... I don't know why that movie got flack. Like because the last world, Lost World sucked. Lost World was garbage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know any any sequel that follows a shitty sequel is already going to be looking as like, well, this is going to suck too. Um, but even like I remember being, I guess I was like seventeen, eighteen thereabouts. Uh, and my older sister got me a copy of the VHS of that for Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I watched it, and I was like, it's okay. And I don't think I was really looking at it with like a critical eye. I was just like, yeah. I'm going to see how stupid the sequel is. The problem was, though, and, and if you really want to break it down when, when it comes to The Lost World, the problem is, is you made Ian Malcolm a hero. And he's not. Yeah. Like I, I get that everybody loves Jeff Goldblum. Sure. Like I think it's ironic though. They're all they all ironically love Jeff Goldblum now, and he doesn't. He's not really in on the joke. I don't know, um, man. I I am astounded by the number of young women who had sort of a sexual awakening. Oh, they with did. Jurassic Park when he was like, dude, when like, he's laid out with his leg open. all fucked up and his oh, yeah. shirt open. Oh yeah. I I know a Tripping couple gay women who were like. Yeah, almost, that was important for me. <laughs> he, almost, he almost flipped me like a pancake at that point. Um, <laughs> like it's, he's not a good actor, and I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna, st- really, yeah. Like remember how I was saying that I had hot takes Some here? Hot takes, That's my yeah. First one. He's not a good actor. What? Okay, he's not a good actor. Kevin Costner's not a good actor either, because in every movie that they're in, they play themselves. Same voice, same intonation, same tenor, same everything. Every the beats are exactly the same. Okay. in every movie that they're in. They are not good actors. They are figureheads. Okay. They, you don't cast Jeff Goldblum to see him transform into another person, except for the fly, because he transforms. I'll into agree a fly. with that. But you, you cast Jeff Goldblum to be Jeff Goldblum. You cast Kevin Costner to be Kevin Costner. Like they are who they are. It's like John Wayne. John Wayne was John Wayne. You're not going to sure. be able to have John Wayne like really stretch himself, and all of a sudden John Wayne is like, wow, I, I didn't even recognize him. He's not going to be Daniel Day Lewis. You yeah. know, they're they're not method, and that's fine. Okay, I'm there's nothing wrong with saying. that. Right. I like. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Yeah, I love Kevin Costner movies. I love Jeff Goldblum. I think he's hilarious. At the same time, I'm not expecting Goldblum to get up there and read Shakespeare because yeah. if he does, he's just gonna be like, um, or uh, uh, I knew him well, Horatio. It's just like, come on, dude. See, like, you know, the funny thing about that is, I had uh, well, I, I have many ongoing arguments with my friend Nina, um. Uh, who I love you dearly, Nina. You're, you, Nina, you're wonderful. Um, but she and I could not disagree more about certain things. And she and I had this argument once. It was, oh no, it was right when Suicide Squad came out. Yeah. Um, because I was at the Alamo and I was hawking my wares, selling some art, uh, and I'd done a Harley print specifically for the Alamo. Yeah. Um, and uh, she was talking about how much she hates Jared Leto, but specifically how much she hates method acting. And I was like, well, method acting isn't really the problem. She's like, it's just, it's stupid to, you know, to do all the things that he does. I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's not a problem with method, act- method acting. That's a problem with him. Yeah. You can be a method actor and not be an asshole. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> as you mentioned before. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal actor. May- arguably the greatest actor of his generation. Um, he, 
he is a very method guy. Like he is the guy who's in character the whole time. Yeah. Uh, in the crucible, the, the like cabin he lives in, he built that. Yeah. He built that and lived in it for six months before they started shooting. I didn't even realize that. Um, because he's a crazy person. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, because he's also an incredible actor. Uh, and for him, the way he can really get into a character is he lives as that character. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Whatever gets the job done. And she is of the mind. She's like, no. Method acting is stupid. There's no reason to do it. Acting is a job. You turn on, you turn off, just like anything else. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. I don't agree with you, but yeah, yeah. sure, whatever. Okay. Um, I think there is a happy medium there, though. I think so. And and well, her her example, she was like, um, she's like Maggie Smith doesn't have to do that. I was like, well, Daniel Day Lewis is a better actor than Maggie Smith. She goes, no, she's no, he's not. I yeah, go, okay, I guess we're done talking. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Maggie Smith is. Maggie Smith does the exact same thing you just said about Jeff Goldblum, mm -hmm. about Kevin Costner. Yeah. She does it very well. Her delivery is wonderful. But there's never been a movie I've seen that she's been in where I was like, this is such a startling difference for her. Yeah. Like, McGonagall is... Uh, uh, um, oh, God. I'm blanking on the character's name from Downton Abbey. Um, but yeah. Point being, yeah. it's not terribly different and i've seen like i've seen young versions of her i've seen her give performances when she was in her like 30s and 40s she's wonderful in murder by death it's just a younger version of her yeah it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exactly and and you know there's something to be said for you know being able to really fall into a role and i think there's a big difference between your leading man or leading lady uh actor which is a person who's going to like come on be professional hit yeah. their marks deliver their lines yeah and your character actors which i always prefer yeah which are people who fall into roles well like a perfect example is and they're actually like best friends is ian mckellen mm -hmm. and patrick stewart and patrick stewart yeah ian mckellen can can be a different person yeah. like you can see him change when he acts whereas patrick stewart it's like, oh, look, there's Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, sure. Oh, but he's in a wheel. Oh, he's Patrick. Oh, he's, he's Professor X this time. Like, and Patrick Stewart even admitted that. Like, I don't know if you watched the video of when he was talking about the new Star Trek series that they were coming out with. No, I haven't watched it. Yeah. yeah, I read the blurb and I was very excited. But one of the things that he ended up saying was, as he said, he's like, I had a problem after Star Trek because I wanted to do other things, other acting pieces, right? And at one point, I, I auditioned for this role. And it was with this director that I really, really, really wanted to work for. And it, was a, it wasn't a big part. It was a small part. But the guy said in casting, he's like, yeah, we're not going to cast you because nobody wants to see Jean-Luc Picard for five minutes in a movie. And he was just like, son of a bitch. Like it was, <laughs> it was like deflating for him because he realized that's who he was. And he tried really hard to get away from that. But yeah. in that time that he's been away from it, in the, in the speech he's giving, he says, I've really appreciated what this show meant to so many people and what it meant to me. So like – it's that fine line with acting where it's like losing yourself to the character, but also being because like think about how many times you see somebody in a movie, right? And you're like, oh, I've seen this guy before. Oh, it's this guy from this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, um, like certain actors you'll see in other shows, and like they're always going to be like Matthew Perry. I don't care what I see Matthew Perry in, he's always Chandler. <laughs> he's Chandler, yeah. yeah. Like Ro like Ross from Friends, like same thing. Like um, David Schwimmer, yeah. He was in the OJ um, documentary, not the documentary. He plays uh, Robert Kardashian. He was Robert he? Kardashian in the FX series, right? And I'm like, I'm like, why is Ross defending OJ? Like, it's, <laughs> you're stuck, man. I'm sorry. Like, you've lost your identity to the role, 
Whereas some people, like Goldblum, for instance, it's the other way around. Like, I don't remember Goldblum's character's name in Guardians 2. He was, it was Jeff Goldblum. Master. Hey, like, or, or not in Guardians 2, but I'm sorry, in uh, Thor, Ragnarok. Yeah. I was like, hey, why is Jeff Goldblum talking to Thor? Oh, okay. Oh, that's right, because he's somebody else. I forgot. I just, you see Jeff Goldblum and you're immediately like. He's the, yeah, he's there playing like yeah. an amped version of himself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's something to be said for that. Like, and, and, you know, it really falls. I don't, I don't. I hesitate to say that he's a bad actor. Yeah. Because um, in, the, in the same way that, like, I don't think Maggie Smith is a bad actor. She's a fine actor. Yeah. Uh, it's what are you expecting from this actor? Um, there's a very famous, uh, you know, I don't know how apocryphal it is, but story yeah. but with um, on the set of uh, Marathon Man. Yeah. Uh, and it's Dustin Hoffman and Lawrence Olivier. And it's and Sir Lawrence Olivier. You know, it's, it's you know, greatest actor of his generation, you know, uh, uh, figurehead of, of Great Britain, Lawrence Olivier. And... There's a scene. It's I think it's for the torture scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Hoffman is is like running around the block yeah. to like get really amped up and to like you know look like he's sweating and be really nervous, and he comes back and he's like panting and stuff. And and Olivier says something along the lines of like, uh, you know, Dustin, have you tried acting? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a matter of like <laughs> this is a job, dude. Like, and it's also <laughs> a very different approach between like the 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 sort of. The English, uh, 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 maybe not even the English, but like, you know, uh, uh, British in general approach to acting, which is they see it at much more as a job um, versus the American one, which is much more movie stars, much more big and kind of uh, uh, exaggerated and swollen kind of idea of, of Hollywood. Um, there's, there's an episode of Saturday Night Live, and I can't repeat the words because it's horribly inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Steve Martin is talking about that scene where, you know, Hoffman was real, was, was method. And, and Olivier was like, Oh, <laughs> have you ever tried acting Dustin? Yeah. And he goes, and Dustin waited a moment and he goes, act on this, you silly English <laughs> word. We don't say, uh, rhymes with hag. Um, ah, yes. and it was just like, it was. It, like and then they went back and forth like that and sure. like, it was just it was it was just funny because he added that little bit to it that wasn't actually there because like like Dustin Hoffman is gonna call that slight it's... that slight heightening yeah. heightening of the of it well you know that's what turns it from yeah. uh, so going back to Go ahead, uh, just keep going Patrick Stewart yeah uh, have you ever seen Blunt Talk no Blunt Talk is a show I think ran for two seasons on I think Showtime maybe Cinemax. Um, and he plays uh it's sort of like um what if Bill O'Reilly was a liberal? And he plays this news anchor uh that specifically is like a talking head, you know, CNN yeah. style guy. Um but it's him with like all these weird sexual hang ups and doing a lot of drugs. And it, it's Patrick it's him it's him you you've have you read Transmetropolitan? No. Uh, do you know anything about it? No, go ahead. All right, Transmet is a, it's a wonderful comic you should absolutely read. Um, and it's essentially about, uh, what if Hunter S. Thompson was in the future doing more drugs? Um, the lead character... <laughs> I like where this is going is, already. Uh, ...named Spider Jerusalem. Um, it's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's Warren Ellis' sort of magnum opus. It's, it's, it's the, maybe not necessarily the best thing he's ever done, but it's definitely the biggest, most famous thing he's ever done. Uh, yeah. And Stewart has wanted to play Spider Jerusalem for years and years and years. And Blunt Talk is probably about as close as he's ever going to get. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a, you know, a reporter or at the very least he's a host of a, of a like a, you know, quote unquote news show. Um, and you get to see 
him act like a completely different character. Really? Okay. So I, I, I'll have to see this then one more time. Okay. All right. But let's go ahead and um, we'll get started with, with what we got here because the show must go on. That it must. It will. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and start the show here. Uh, GGR Pirate Radio starts right now. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. It's called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> This city, like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists, you throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same, same thing. thing. So you just put him in the morgue. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother. The great pirate wobbler is here for you. Pain heals. Chicks dig stars. Glory lasts forever. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. What's in the box? Dylan! You son of a. This is called Pirate Radio. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, we've got a great show in store for you. It really is going to depend on who we have joining us, because we're having some technical difficulties tonight. Um, Normally, it's me and Steve uh, doing this thing via a a lovely program called Zencaster. We're having some issues with it tonight, so bear with us. But you know who I do have in studio? He's actually a really good fill-in in case we need another co-host. His name... Is James Rambo. Hey, everybody. So, Mr. Rambo, thank so, you again for braving the... Is, uh, everything's working perfectly fine now. Are you saying you're going to kick Rambo off? Or... <laughs> Rambo, you got to go, bud. Just just get yeah, out. Yeah, I'll just drive back home. Steve, the Steve, hour and a half. Steve, how did this happen? Like, we were... I was panicking there for a second. I was like, this isn't working. And then now it is. What if I was just slow rolling you? Like, I'm just messing with you. Oh, you're a dick. <laughs> no, I don't know. I... I I have a dual band router, so I was like, yeah, maybe it's on my end. I don't know. So I just uh, um, logged off the one into the other band, and now it's working fine. So who cares what the reason is? It doesn't matter anymore because it's it, working. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you are exactly right. But not only that, too, because he's on this computer. Little, uh, Let me pull the curtain back for you guys a second. I have like three computers in front of me right now. Okay, Many computers. Yes, there are a plethora of computers, if you will. Many much. Yes. Um, there is the one that actually runs the feed. There is the one that has all of the other stuff that I need that has to do with the connection to the board. And then there's my laptop, which has all of the music, all of the intro stuff, all of the things that I'm like reading about for our show. So it, it's a lot of things going on. It's a lot very of, complex. It, it is. It is. It is. And it would help if it wasn't just like essentially like a trained monkey behind this board doing this stuff. But, you know. Sure. Yeah. We make it work. We make it sexy. Um, so... Let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. 
Um, we've got a couple of cool things that we got on the slate for this evening. We started a new segment last week uh, that Steve and I came up with called The Geek Sheets. Okay. Which is the news of the day, basically. Like, what what is going on in the geeky, nerdy world um, right now, basically? The things that we care about. So that's what we're going to start off with, Steve. And what's cool is I created some theme music for The Geek Sheets. Yeah, you messaged me about this, so I'm very interested to hear this. I, I am a virgin listener, just like everyone else out there, so I'm going to hear it the first time everyone else does. I'm very excited about this. Guys, let's go ahead, and we're going to jump right into the Geek Sheets. And here is our new little intro music for it. It's time for the Geek Sheets. Here's the big news this week in the geeky, nerdy world. Apparently, the only way we can get geeky nerdy, nerdy news is via Morse code. Makes um, sense. But yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's literally like coming over the wire. I yeah, love exactly. it. And it's in British, too. Like, yeah. yeah I'm so curious. It's the same guy from the intro, right? Yes, it's the same Who guy. Who is that? Um, it's my computer. Oh, is, is it just it's an automated Tra- voice? It's Charles Dance. Um, we, we, we got him. He's not, he's not on Game of Thrones right Brother now. Brother Doomsie. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was somebody cool. But, like, I think at one point we came up with, like, a fake name for him. It was, like, it was like <clears throat> Chauncey or something like that. Like, Uncle Chauncey or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember. Reginald. Reginald. Bernard. 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 <laughs> yes. 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 Great name. Yes. <laughs> Notably, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but the Geek Sheets, let's go ahead and jump right into that. Uh, Steve. Why don't you start us off with yeah. our, uh, our first geek sheet of the evening? So we can go out of order of how I wrote it on the article. Okay. And just so you guys know out there, every Monday, you'll see the geek sheets as a written form. So you can kind of get a little preview. And then we get into that little snippet a little bit further. Do you guys want to go melancholy up front? Or do you want to save that for the end? Um, yeah, let's start on the low. And yeah, then we'll, we'll go. We'll build. Build. And, then, yeah. and then we can pick it back up. Order I like that. That's kind of yeah. what I've actually sent it to you on your phone, Mr. Rambo, if you would like Received. to see see the, uh, the the articles that we are discussing. Oh, I know what's going on. So you know what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and really, so you do we, know what's going on because you helped um, me with this. So. Oh, I know what's going on. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Yeah, we, um, we have an uh, unfortunate uh, anniversary this week. We try to be funny. We try to you know make people laugh and everything. This year anniversary, the passing of Robin Williams. Um, so I wrote a little snippet on the geek sheets, but really, if you want to get into it, Mike has written a full article. So yeah. mine's just a little paragraph blurb. That's where you really want to go if you want to get into it. But we're going to talk about it a little here. What can you really say? I mean, we've had, I don't know, does it feel like to you guys we've had just over the last couple of years a slew of huge, huge names and oh, I yeah. think, unfortunately, Robin Williams has kind of just gotten lost in that tide. That I mean, Aretha Franklin just died this week. It seems like every couple of months we got another big name that everyone knows. And I think he kind of got lost in that shuffle a little bit. So I think it's important that we go back and, and talk about his situation specifically. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. And I'm not going to dominate this topic because I do have an article about this. Uh, and it's on uh, greatgeekrefuge.com if you guys want to read it. Please do. It's not my normal sort of tone. Normally, my tone is very like freewheeling and like kind of fun and like cheeky and like making fun of, of various things. And it's mostly about Star Wars. But this one, um, this one's much more serious um, because this is this is a topic that really hit home for me. 
Um, and, and let me give big thanks to uh, to Steve and to uh, Mr. Rambo here for helping me edit this article that I wrote. Happy to um, help. Um, when Robin Williams died, it was four years ago uh, when he passed away. And it was right when GGR started. GGR started in July of 2014. And Robin Williams passed in um, August of 2014. And I was still trying to feel out like what I was doing with this website and like how it was going to work and what we were going to do to make it work. And I, I wanted to write something because he meant a lot to me, but I didn't know how to, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. And it was, it, it took, it took some personal stuff happening to me to really understand it. And like my, my grandfather for one, uh, he had dementia and, the worst part about it is, is he never had any signs of it until this was maybe like 2003. Um, he lived in Annandale. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, it was him and my grandmother that lived in, in a house in Annandale that they'd lived in since the 50s. And he was shoveling the driveway one nasty, snowy, icy day, slipped and broke his hip. And in breaking his hip and going into surgery, he had a seizure while in surgery. Jesus. And for whatever reason, that like, it triggered something. Yeah. Because when he came out of surgery, he was gone. Like, he, it wasn't him. He wasn't there, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Like, he was he was just not the same person that he was. And what made it worse is that there were moments of clarity. There were these moments where he would come back, and you would see him, and he would see it, and he would hear it, and, and it was his voice again. Because that was the other thing. His voice changed, too, and that was strange. Like, this was a big... He was 6'3". He was, mm -hmm. like, 240, 50 pounds. I mean, he was a big dude. Like, you didn't mess with this guy. Like, he was an Arlington County cop for 25 years. Like, he had the look. Like, he looked yeah. like a cop you didn't want to mess with. And that was the thing. He was a gentle giant. But, like, that wasn't him anymore. And and I remember... I, I said it in the article. I talked about a story, but there was another one that I had, too. At one point, uh, they moved from their home in, in uh, Annandale because they couldn't support themselves anymore. And they moved to a home in uh, in Culpeper with my with my aunt. And my aunt was taking care of them full time. And my grandfather was sitting on the back porch just staring out into the woods. And I came and I sat next to him. And he said, do you see the ship out there? And I just sat with him and I was just like, no, I, I don't pop up. I'm, I'm sorry. And he was like, there's a ship out there. And, and, and it's, you know, like those those old those old ocean liners that people would get on on the gangplanks because he was in the Navy and he was, yeah. Um, and they would get, like, they're going somewhere, you know, and they're waving and their families are on the, on the decks and they're waving back to him. He's like, and he turns and he looks at me and he goes, and I know they're not there. He's like, Jesus. I know they're not there, but I see them. And I was just like, I didn't know what to say. I just sat there and I, and I held his hand and I was just like, yeah. And he, and he and I just let him go, and he was telling me about it, and he was giving me these detail, very very vivid details. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that he saw this at one point in his life, but like, what was I supposed to do? Yeah. So I just I'm listening to him tell these stories, and why this hit so hard was because this is what happened to Robin Williams. His friends said that in his last few years, his mind wasn't the same, and that he had been diagnosed with a level of dementia. That is incurable, but not only that, it very, very, very aggressive, and he was going to be gone essentially in just a matter of years. And I, I, I don't like getting political on GGR. I really, really don't. Okay, I don't like getting political. I don't don't like talking religion. 
because I want this to be a refuge. I want this to be a place where everybody can come where you don't have to worry about topics that are going to piss each other off except for I think Spider-Man is better than Batman or something stupid like that, you know? <laughs> like something that you can't really back up. If we're going to fight about that, we can fight about that. But I don't want to fight about things that are deeply personal like religion and political things like that. I just don't. But the fact that when Robin Williams committed suicide and people were calling him a coward and people were saying that he took the easy way out and how selfish he was, it, it sickened me, like physically sickened me. It made me ill because there's no way that this man was even close to that. He loved his family. He loved his fans. He loved his friends so deeply that he didn't want to subject them to this. And pardon my language, but God damn it, do I understand that and do I respect the shit out of that? Because I... Seeing it happen, I would never, ever want to put that on my family. If that happened to me, I'm not saying that I would commit suicide, but I would definitely look into it because it's not something that you would ever want anybody who loves you to see. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it's scary. I, I, I guess the only thing I could see about that is, I mean, it's a total punting on hope, though. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that humans do not ever want to give up on yeah and when they see someone else completely give up on any capacity of hope because he said like hey it's an incurable form it's incurable today we don't know what tomorrow is going to yeah. bring you know we don't know where it's going to lead five ten years from now maybe it's something that we develop a, a a cure a treatment or something for and that's the thing that i think that when people say Oh, he was the coward. Oh, he took the easy way out on it. I think it's because personally, people don't like seeing someone completely abandon all hope. And when you take your own life, that's essentially the stamp that you're putting on it is saying that the situation that I found myself in, it is literally hopeless for me. Yeah. And people don't like to see that. They don't like, and people definitely do not like to be reminded of their own mortality and the own situations their life puts them in that take some hope away yeah um so i think that that reaction is a very human one when they see someone else they see reflections of themselves there and robin williams was so good about seeing the positives in life in his portrayals of all the different characters that he had and reflecting the good aspects that people like to see so when they see the real life version that has lost hope and they're so used to seeing him as a reflection in a positive light. I think that's why there was such a strong reaction in the other direction. So, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I I'm, mean, it's it's a much bigger topic than we can cover in 15 minutes or anything like that. Yeah, but it definitely um, is. But I think that's that's where you, where it comes from a lot of times. I think that's um, a really, why people have yeah. such a visceral reaction to to this. I think that's very very well said, and and I agree to a certain uh, extent. It, it's it's almost Batman in a sense, you know, the Dark Knight, when uh, Harvey Dent turns to Two-Face, and they're all just like, you were the best of us, and you were broken, and, and that was the Joker's plan. Like, to see somebody like Robin Williams, who was, like you said, showed hope and happiness, and like these great traits of, of humanity, be broken by it, is... It's, it does kind of stare... It, morality kind of stands, stares back at you in the face when, when something like that happens, and... And, and... and coming back to the other side of it, too, yeah. is anyone is allowed to feel any way they want to yeah um you, you cannot help how a certain event in the world affects you on an emotional level what you do have control over is what you do and what you say about it and so yeah. when people are 
reacting very negatively and publicly and saying terrible things, that's the part where I kind of draw the line. Oh, You're yeah, allowed absolutely. to feel one way, but I don't feel like you're allowed to use that as justification for being toxic to other people what you need to do is internalize it and go why am i feeling this way and use that as a motivation to talk to people that are important to you and have a conversation not an attack yeah and and the, and the one one of the lines that um actually mr rambo helped me kind of rework here um I kind of close the the article with empathy doesn't require you to agree with why someone did something or even condone it. Just at least understand how truly awful it must have been. And that that was really all I wanted from any of this was that just I wanted people to at least understand and not jump the gun, so to speak. Um, and and really just kind of try to understand why, why something like this would have happened instead of just immediately putting the onus on somebody else and saying, oh, well, this must have been, you know, or he must have been this or he must have been that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, um, try, it's people trying to make sense of things that they don't understand or maybe haven't uh, experienced. Um, and, I mean, yeah, there's there's myriad things to talk about this, uh, talk about with regard to this, you know, between our country's perception of mental health yeah. and uh, – like what Steve said with regard to people's uh, the admission of, of one's own mortality, um, the the whole situation actually reminds me a lot of what happened with Terry Pratchett, um, the Discworld. Yeah, right. the, the yeah. Discworld author um, wrote uh, Good Omens with uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, very prolific guy, uh, incredibly talented. If you haven't read any of his work, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, he was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, Jesus. And being a Brit, uh, the UK has a formalized setup for assisted suicide. Um, you can, it takes about three years. Really? Um, there's uh, a whole application process, from my understanding, and, and that he was moving forward with that. Okay. Uh, basically, you go through like various psychological screenings. Um, you go through very me various medical screenings, and it's just a matter of like you know going through and making sure okay, are all your affairs in order? Great. Um, you know, there's there's economic uh, components to it, so the country isn't just going to be like oh you know you owe eighty you know million pounds whatever the hell here's um, your government sure. issued revolver take yeah, care exactly. of business yeah, yeah just you know yeah you can you can be done with it yeah um, and my understanding was that he was in the process. Uh, and he just died before it happened. Um, so he, you know, there's... I was definitely one of those people, not necessarily with Robin Williams, but who looked at suicide as, like, you know, a cowardly path or, or the coward's way out. And even in my worst dealings with depression, which have been really awful, yeah. fortunately I've never gotten to the point of seriously contemplating suicide... And so even me, who has dealt very personally with suicide, who has, you know, comes from a family that, with heavy depression, um, was pretty quick and cavalier to kind of just wipe away, like, oh, you know, casually, like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's a cowardly thing to do, and, you know, you have to be, it's, it's weaker. And, you know, depending on your perspective, it's a lot stronger, because guess what we don't know definitively? What happens after you die? Yeah. Um, so for anybody who wants to, to, you know, very casually 
toss that label of of cowardice onto a completely final act. Um, maybe take a second. Maybe not everybody needs to hear your opinion on things. Um, yeah. With you know, with what Steve said, uh, you cannot control your emotions. You can absolutely control your actions. Agreed. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I wanna. I, I like this topic. I like that we're able to speak speak freely and not really nobody's really pushing judgment on anybody. Um, but I want to pivot this, and I want to yeah, take it, absolutely. I want to take it in a different direction. Give me a favorite Robin Williams moment. Oh, because I'll, I'll start that's it off. Tough. I know yeah. there's a, there's a lot of them, and that's the thing is is, is we can do this, and this will be a great way actually to kind of bring in our other guest because MC Brooks, our newest GGR contributor, he's actually on the air right now. Uh, hey. he's muted himself like a professional. I appreciate this what? guy. What? Um, we'll bring him in too. But like I, Hook. I mean, I've talked about it in in an article. I love this movie so much. But, like, I still remember being a little kid. And that scene where they're having the insult battle. <laughs> and he's just calling him thing. He calls him a nearsighted gynecologist. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, you know for a fact that that wasn't scripted. Like, oh, there's no way. It is yeah. way. And it's one, that's one of those jokes, like, the more you think about it, the dirtier it gets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and, and that's, like, <laughs> exactly. It was, it was in that one joke you got, like, this, this picture of who he was. And again, too, like you couldn't you couldn't have picked a better person to play Peter Pan as an adult because you got to see him as a, a borderline drunk, a, a verbally abusive asshole to his kids. But then he turns around and like you see why because you're like, man, this guy had a really tragic life. Yeah. And then he becomes Peter Pan again. And I can't think of any other actor who could have possibly pulled that off. And like that is, it's still to this day one of my favorite movies. And the other one that I'll mention too is is the Birdcage. Like I think he is, God, the Birdcage is absolutely so good. hilarious in that movie. And and there's so many that I'm missing, but I wanted to give you guys a chance to give me a couple of Robin Williams movies, and then we'll move on to our next uh, geek sheet moment. Um, I have a very soft spot for Aladdin. Him as the genie is yeah. just... damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was between that and uh, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Steve, you you pick. You want to you want to talk about Aladdin? All right. Well, you started Aladdin. Okay. okay. Aladdin, and I'll do. All right. Um, you know he is. That's there's a there's you know a lot of really wonderful stories about that movie. Uh, but one of my favorite stories about it, period, is just how badly Disney screwed up in the way they handled that. Um, but uh. uh yeah, he he came in with the with the understanding like okay, I'll work for scale because you have you know almost no money. Yeah, uh, and they built the movie on his back, and you know there's something like 17 hours of of recorded material. Are you serious? Um, you know, and a lot of the stuff you know, the, the vast majority of it is just him riffing. Um, you know, a lot of times with with uh, I don't know who, who knows what about animated films, but I'll try and be brief. Uh, recording for dialogue and such is you know, done early and throughout the process. Uh, you know, it takes between four and five years to, to make an animated film. So you have a lot of time to kill. Um, but uh, it was one of the situations where, one of the few times when it, when it was a matter of like, we haven't mapped out everything for the genie, or if we have, um, you're going to go ahead and have us rewrite entire scenes um, because of just the wealth and breadth of information and, yeah. and, and, uh, and performance he's able to give. And it's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like he, yeah, just I, I absolutely love that movie. And when, when he would get off on those tangents, it was wonderful. Like just oh, absolutely yeah. fantastic. 
Um, Steve, you, uh, your, your favorite Robin Williams moment. So it's Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Um, no, uh, it wasn't I even really him. Liked it, was, a little it was Dan Castanella. I, I like the. No, he came that? back for the third one. No, the third one. I thought the second one was King of Thieves. Was it? That's Return of Jafar. Okay, oh yeah, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve knows what's up. Yeah, Return of Jafar, then King of Thieves. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Um, I really liked the one episode of Law and Order SVU he was on. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one. No, I didn't realize he did one. Yeah, so like the whole plot, it, it's kind of weird, and it's definitely in the heart of when he was doing more of his serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like one hour photo. Did the, you see that? The plot is oh, very interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, the, he's like, um, like this this personality like he, he's a very public person and he's almost starting this like little kind of movement um and it ends up with him doing um oh what was that psychological experiment where they were fake shocking the people oh um we did, we just lost steve but he'll come back okay um not the stanford prison experiment uh the prisoner's dilemma prisoner's dilemma as as uh recreated horribly in the dark night uh <laughs> oh with the whole like the the prisoners on the boat thing yeah it, the the steve you back you there? No, he's, he's not back yet okay. he, he was. um we got marcus back though. hey marcus is here yeah. marcus i don't know if you can hear me. i don't know how good my mic is it sounds me. really good you're like crystal clear dude oh sweet <laughs> um the episode was called authority Author- authority all right yeah, good to know and his name is Merritt rook um I'm just I'm pulling up the wiki right now. So I'm well, the, so the prisoner's dilemma is is very simple. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A prisoner is brought into a room and there is a box uh, or a button on the on the the table, and the prisoner is told that um, if and they're and they're hooked up to like electrodes, I think. Um. They're told there is another prisoner in another room. Um. And essentially, it's sort of a sort of a, a it's a morality t- uh, uh, qu- uh, test wherein your or rather, ethical test where you're said you're, you're told, okay, so there's another button with another prisoner in another room. If they hit their button first, you get shocked. If you hit their your button first, they get shocked. Um, and every time, every time, every time, prisoner hits the button. They hit, they hit the button because I don't want to deal with pain. Um, it's why it bugs the shit out of me so much in, in the Dark Knight when they're like, no, we're not gonna do that. Fuck yeah. you. This is Gotham course they would do that yeah. they'd do it in a second uh, <laughs> bugs me so much um it's it's funny i'm actually reading reading it right now um i remember this episode now oh yeah yeah like um basically he ends up um when it was stabler and benson okay benson gets captured by robin williams and robin williams has her duct taped to a chair with explosives attached to her and it says Stabler locates Rook at a, at a recording studio, and Rook shows himself, um, uh, shows shows Thank him Benson you. bound to there a chair. We go. There we go. There's Steve. <laughs> um, Rook brings out a switch and tells Stabler that Benson is connected to an electricity generator. He gives Stabler the option of pressing the button himself or watching while he does it. If Stabler refuses to hurt Benson and tries to reason with Rook, telling him 
Uh, too many people have suffered. Rook then thanks Stabler for not being a follower, reveals that there are no explosives and Benson is fine. Her screams were pre-recorded. Jesus so basically, Christ. like, like he wouldn't hit the button and then he would hit the button and, like, she would scream. Yeah. But she wasn't actually in pain. That was pre-recorded. So, like, it's just – it was a very, like, thought-provoking episode. And yeah. you're just like, Robin Williams, like – and it's it's tagging on the and that actually that handles it a lot better um, because it's very ham fisted in the Dark Knight and it's very it's, oh yeah it's like not only do we get a prisoner to do it not only do we get a black prisoner to do it you get we get Debo you get fucking Debo you get <laughs> Zeus Tommy or Tommy Zeus Tiny Lister uh, the biggest you know like scariest black man you could possibly find um, be like no we're better than that no we have, you're not we have better morals I beat <laughs> I beat somebody with a brick for a <laughs> For a gold chain, but not this time. No, Joker, you don't win. Ugh, like, blow me. It's so awful. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, but I mean, it, it it works better when you have it be like no, no. It's it's like a fucking SVU cop. It's a detective who who solves sex crimes in New York City. And be like, I'm gonna take the moral stand on this. Fair enough. Um, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. So. The um, Milgram experiment, by the way, while I was the getting Milgram back on experiment. the freaking okay. internet, I remembered what it was called. His um, his new title in Zencaster, which I'm going to promote Zencaster for a minute and just assume that it's not their fault that the internet keeps crapping out today. I, I think it's totally on my end. We're, we've been having real bad storms out here, so I think it's just my internet spotty. I don't think okay. it's Zencaster at all. Zencaster, we're boys. We love you. The fact that you let us do this VoIP process for free... It's pretty awesome. So check out Zencaster. You can, you can pay for it as well, and you can use their VoIP program. It's great for recording. It's like Skype, only clearer, um, a better setup because you don't have to deal with video, which video can steal the bandwidth. And bandwidth nice. will, you want clear crystal It'll audio. Corrupt the uh, the the uh, broadcast, I imagine. Exactly. Yeah, and like yeah, and also there was a certain person that I used to work with who um, we always used Skype, and he would always blame our internet for his for the Skype not working. Um, but yeah, there was no way. It was all it was all him. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, Marcus, you're you're jumping in on this late, man. Do you have a favorite Robin Williams moment? I actually have two. Okay. Um, two. Uh, you actually touched on one of them earlier. So just for like a little bit of backstory, like Robin Williams for me growing up, like I, I mostly remembered him from like movies like Hook. And Aladdin and whatnot. Like I, I remember Mrs. Doubtfire. Like I remember him mostly for stuff like that. But my favorite moments for me personally were the moments when I got to see him kind of outside of those uh, kid films like that. So the the two I'm going to highlight one you mentioned earlier is One Hour Photo, which for me was like a complete mind fuck because I was like, I never expected to see Robin Williams in a film like this and do it so well, so well. So one hour photo for me is one uh, is one of them, and the other I'll mention is his stand up. Um, I can't remember the name of it offhand. The the first one he ever did, I, I don't know the name of it, but that was like my first time seeing Robin Williams like completely adult and completely like outside of these films, and it was like it was like culture shock for me because I was like, wow, he just cursed. <laughs> did not. The moon hangs low in the sky like a testicle. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it was it was just so weird. And so like you know, like his I mean, his entire career was fantastic, but those two always just stuck out for me because they were so drastically different than 
my initial impressions of Robin Williams when I was growing up. Oh, dude, his uh, his voiceover in um, AI, he does the voice of the computer where David learns about um, the Blue Fairy and Pinocchio, and it's like a it's like a you know wacky silly German guy at first because he's he's Einstein, and they cross reference the right things, and it activates this other part of the program, and he drops the accent, and he's just speaking like himself, and it's this really measured, very calm, very soothing voice explaining this fairy tale to this little boy, and it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, just it's been four years, but rest in peace. Robin Williams, and I don't think before you speak is, yeah. is a good thing with this. Realize that right. just because you may have feelings about something, that there are a lot of people grieving over somebody's loss, whether it's Robin Williams or Chris Cornell or uh, Chester Bennington or anybody who felt so hopeless that they had to commit suicide. Just realize that there are people out there who legitimately cared about them, and your belief structure doesn't give you the right to trounce on anyone's death, regardless of the circumstances. And that's, that's pretty much, that's the only thing I really want to say about it. Um, I, I think we can move on to the next one and I'm going to play some music. I'm going to cue Steve for this one. So he'll know which one we're doing next. Oh boy. Cause both of these have like really popular music. So you go either way. <laughs> you ready? Oh, hang on. I guess it's not working. Um, <laughs> I guess it would help. Why don't you sing it? Way to build it up, Mike. I know, right? What a jerk. Son of this Lunsford, man. What the hell is this problem? Um, here we go. <laughs> oh, so you went with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. That's well done, Steve. <laughs> Uh, no, anyone who knows, this is James Bond. This is James Bond. It's one of my favorite things. I own all 24 of the official James Bond movies and Never Say Never Again. Um, but some very exciting news to anyone who's a Bond fan. There's been some, I'll say, flirtation with Idris Elba as possibly being the seventh 007. Um, he's denied it. Broccoli and 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 the studio has has denied it, but there was this tweet that he sent out and said, "My name's Elba Idris Elba." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, what else could that be? You know what I mean? So, uh, I would love. I think he is the perfect choice for the next Bond because the Bonds have always been a little bit on the older side. Like, I want I want someone who's seasoned. I don't want someone who's twenty years old running around being a James Bond. I want someone who's you can tell they've been in the muck. You can tell that that, that they're they've been in, around the world. They know what they're doing. He's he's already got the British accent. He's got the machismo. Like he could totally pull off James Bond. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I couldn't agree I, more. There's a list. Of, I mean, I'm sure we could come up with a list of ten other dudes who would make an, an excellent James Bond. But the fans want him. And and I think anymore, like when you look at say, for example, um, why am I blanking on it? What's her name that's going to play Captain Marvel right now? Why am I blanking? Mean, Brie Larson, thank you. Um, there, were, I'm not saying that like the fans got her hired, but like you could tell that they were looking at fan reaction. Fans were mocking up her head on like Miss Marvel, you know, photos and stuff like that. Like you could tell, basically, the fans gave their blessing 
So it was a no-brainer for Disney to finalize that casting. Yeah. I would think the same would be true here. Like, I think James Bond fans would love to see Idris Elba in that role. And so it's not to say that that's why he will get cast, but it certainly should be a tiebreaker if they're between a few candidates and he's one of them. There, I've heard some chatter, too, that we might see Henry Cavill as James Bond. Which... Yeah, because I didn't know this until recently, but he's actually British. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if there's an actor and it's a superhero movie, with the exception of like, um, of like Iron Man and Captain America, um, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, a lot Evans, of Brits, a yeah. lot of uh, Aussies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're mostly mostly British or, uh, or Australian. Um, the only problem it's like that Paul I Rudd. <laughs> except for just, Paul Rudd. Well, I was gonna say just like Paul Rudd. Oh well, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's an amazing American accent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's he really leaned he's, into it. He's, he's gone so so method. He was born here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> After the Kansas City Royals won the World Series, he was inviting people over to his parents' house. You know, that's how method he is. He moved his parents to Kansas City, a shitty house in the suburbs. <laughs> man knows what he's about. He does, man. Um, the only issue I would have with Cavill is I'm tired of seeing crossover of if. And, and I know why Hollywood does it, because it's all marketing. You know, like, you, you take what you know is going to sell. Hey, if Superman is uh, James Bond, we're going to sell some tickets. Sure. And I get that. But I, I like seeing diversity. And not just, like, of course I like people of color in movies. But, like, I also want to see diversity of people. I want to see different faces. Yeah. I want to see different actors. I want to see, see other opportunities given to people other than just the same old people over and over again. Yeah, so, sure. And yeah, that's it's, it's great that you're, like, an it boy, but we need there's other people that can be doing this job. Yeah, it, like, think about it, like, when... when um, Christian Bale was playing Batman. And then they were like, hey, we're going to reboot Terminator and we're going to make Batman John Connor. It was like, do you really? There are a lot of other actors out there. You know yeah. that, right? You don't have to make Christian Bale everything. Yeah. But I mean, it's no different than the, you know, from the writers of Get Out, from the producers of, you know, it's just, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, we're going to get the, that same kind of, you know, hey, they're popular here, so they'll probably be popular here, which means we're making more money. So the, the entire Blumhouse horror model is based off na that name recognition. You know yeah. what I mean? You're yep. dead on with that. So, I mean, across the board, though, I mean, we're all pretty happy with the concept of Ildris Elba being James Bond, Oh, correct? fucking A, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's overdue. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it would be great. Like, I, I can't see any fault. The only thing that I can see fault in is I wanted to see him as Jon Stewart, Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, uh, okay, I won't, I won't talk. I won't say a thing. No, because we, we're gonna say the thing we'll later. We'll save yeah. that because we got more about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we got that topic coming up now. too. His Marvel contract is up, so that's it. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. With a with a Marvel contract up. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything really much more to say other than like bring on Idris Elba as yeah, James Bond. Yeah. Gonna happen. Yeah. Um, Steve, you want to go ahead and uh, bring us into our next topic about a certain property that people really just haven't heard much about lately yeah the last little nuggets this little indie franchise called star wars um <laughs> oh that old what I like, yeah what i like to call this gentleman his name's john favreau i just call him monica's boyfriend pete from friends because <laughs> whenever i say john favreau my wife's like who and i'm like monica's boyfriend pete from friends did the oh, the, oh, like, the, the i know UFC exactly guy. who you're talking yeah. about so that's just who he is now but they <laughs> the the fine folks over at, at star wars inc or whatever it's called disney i guess um they have given him 100 million dollars and said make some star wars tv show bye and they're just letting him do whatever he wants because he's one of the godfathers of the marvel cinematic universe so i think they feel like he knows what he's doing it's a bold fucking um, move man you know what though honestly 
I, I don't see a problem. There's certain people, certain directors I feel that like can have the keys to the kingdom. You know, I'm, I'm. So what throws me the most about it is, he, I mean, he's gonna have to have some kind of editorial oversight. Um, yeah. But the the last time that they were like, you know what, we trust you with this property, have at it. We got John Carter. Now I love John Carter. I thought it was a wonderful movie. That movie is hands down the biggest bomb Disney's ever seen, probably in Hollywood history. <laughs> that movie was. It's up there. It's way it's good, up there. It's a good. Flick. It's a solid but movie. The problem with it is, is when you say John Carter, and they're like, who? You mean a doctor from ER? Uh, yeah, wait, exactly, it, yeah. No, he, Wiley? <laughs> wait, wasn't he a receiver for the Minnesota Vikings? No, that's Chris Carter. Oh, what, what are we talking about? And that's a, and that's part of the problem, is Andrew yeah. Stanton is like, for him, name appeal, he's like, I, I grew up with John Carter. Everybody knows who John Carter is. He goes, Superman, Batman, John Carter. Nah, homie. No, dude. <laughs> no. That's it's nice just that you, you like a thing. That's just you. <laughs> well, and especially, too, like, they very easily, you know how you switch that? Like, John Carter, Warrior on Mars. Whoa, what? Warrior on Mars? I gotta see that movie. You it know what wasn't I'm called a Princess of Mars because little boys won't want to won't want to go see a movie with princess in the title. And call it Kicking Ass on Mars. It wasn't called you know? John Carter of Mars because little girls won't won't, won't want to go see a movie with Mars in the title. I swear to God, that is the reasoning behind why it was just so simple. John Carter. <laughs> John Carter, space badass. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. White men. John Carter, <laughs> White Man. It's just so like, dude. And then you know no. what? You know what got completely left out of that? Former Civil War veteran. Yeah, fought on the side of the oh, Confederacy. Yeah. John Carter. Oh wait, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Where did he fight? Second. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> he was wearing the gray jerseys and not the blue jerseys. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. John Carter. Oh, no. Pro slavery. John Carter. <laughs> You're like ah. <laughs> he was on a scouting mission to Mars to see if they could grab some more folk to <laughs> yeah. help in the fields, like. Jesus Christ. What a dick. I know, right? Anyway, Favreau, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, please. Let's focus yeah. on... on the, the only other nugget, so they gave him a big fat stack of cash to use, $100 million for money. the first season. Okay. So they're obviously needing something because there's obviously the back and forth about The Last Jedi, which we covered last week, and Mike's written... Was it seventeen articles on now? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, five hundred sixty-six <laughs> pages actually. And then um, on why you're Solo an asshole did if you don't not like do it. well in the box office, despite the fact that I freaking love that movie. I enjoyed the shit out of that but, movie. But um, they obviously need a hit. Kathleen Kennedy's kind of in the hot seat. She's like a coach who's had a team in, that hasn't been in the playoffs in a little while. Yeah. Um, and she's just like right on the edge, and they're like, "Hey, you better get in the playoffs this time, or we're gonna find a new coach." Uh, so I think they're they're kind of putting a, pushing a lot of chips over here. John Favreau is a good guy to do that with. Like I said, like he kind of helmed the Iron Man thing and kind of kicked that that pig off. And um, from what I've heard, I've completely unsubstantiated rumors so far. But what it's set to do is take place a couple of years, about seven years after Return of the Jedi, be set on Mandalore and kind of the yeah. rebuilding of that culture. After the fall of the Empire. I'm okay with this. Um, And that actually ties into something that Rambo and I were talking about before um, we started recording. So the tie-in that we had with this is the director of The Rocketeer is Joe Johnston, who also directed Captain America, uh, The First Avenger. Joe Johnston has been petitioning since the 80s to do a Boba Fett movie. Oh, I'm sorry, Boba Fett movie. Joe Johnston, designer of Boba Fett. There you go. 
has wanted to make a Boba Fett movie since the 80s. I I held off on this hot take on the Mandalorians because I know people love them some some Boba Fett so hard. And if you're one of those Boba Fett lovers, you're probably going to hate me. And make sure you send your hate mail to Steve at GGR.com. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, um, honestly, like message me about it. I don't care. Um, I don't like Boba we'll Fett. We'll take the traffic. It's fine. Get yeah. on the – just yeah. post some comments. Exactly. Um, I, I personally don't like Boba Fett because he – the only reason I don't like him is because he has been made to be so much cooler than he actually is. Because when what we've seen of him – in the original trilogy, he shows up, he picks up a frozen Han Solo. Didn't really actually do anything other than just like, hey, by the way, Darth Vader, why don't you guys come to Cloud City and pick him up? He, he just like showed on him. It, basically, yeah. He's a snitch, and snitches aren't cool. Like, even in, <laughs> even in a galaxy far, far away, snitches get stitches. We know they this. get stitches. Yes. So he does that. Like, he, he has a cool costume. He made a cool voice, and he put Han Solo – he basically carried – the coffee table version of Han Solo into his ship and took him to the big weird slug, right? And then he dies five minutes into Return of the Jedi. Like, does yeah. nothing. Gets his gun chopped in half and then kicked accidentally and flies into the, the um, what's the dang thing called? Um, Sarlacc. Sarlacc. Yeah, he gets eaten by the Sarlacc pit. But what then, a nerd race that was. We're like, it's Sarlacc. We know it, we know it, we swear. Oh, uh, technically it's the Sarlacc pit. It's not just the Sarlacc, so <laughs> sorry guys. There's actually several of them across all of Tatooine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. This one lives in the pit of Carcoon. <laughs> <laughs> God, have you guys seen the fucking meme of it's it's a uh, uh, 3PO translating to Luke what Jabba's talking about, how he's gonna be you know digested for a thousand years, and it's Luke's response of like, tell him what that I say that that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'll be dead in two months, if not uh, if not a couple of weeks. Like, my body will rot, but I will be dead. You tell him. You tell him that's exactly what I said, 3PO. You say it in those words. <laughs> I have a lightsaber. I'll cut my way out. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but speaking of cutting their way out, it. I'm so frustrated that the fan, like everybody who is a Boba Fett fanboy is convinced that he survived that somehow. Like, his jetpack. Hey, that, much- was, that was the, the canon at the time before that all got erased. And before Disney was like, nope, and just deleted it all. Um, there was some book, and I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the uh, books that was set after Return of the Jedi that there were some Jawas selling Mandalorian armor on Tatooine that looked like Boba Fett's. And I was That's like, fantastic. he might be dead. So there you go. Um, yeah, I, just- I believe it was the Bounty Hunter Wars book one. Listen to this he, they established he came out of the Sarlacc pit in. There you go. Well, thank you, Steve. I'm so glad that you, between the three of us, and like me and Rambo in this room, and you, like we can pretty much cover just about anything Star Wars. <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah. Um, I do. I just I didn't like the fact that he got made into icon status over five minutes of dialogue. Um, however, though, I love I, I love the reason why because he looked cool and he was mysterious. Yeah, that's and, it. And that was enough. Welcome sound down. Yeah. And, like, I would be down with a, with a Boba Fett movie. Because, like, a cool bounty hunter movie, like, we were just talking about this before. You do it very, like, old Western style where it's, like, there's a price on this guy's head and I got to track him down sort of thing. But you're like, all right, so is he going to be a jerk and just kill everybody? Or does does Boba Fett have a heart of gold? Like, it's... I don't ever want to see his face. You don't have to be in the armor the entire time. I don't ever want to see his face. We know what his face looks like. As, uh, he looks like the clones. Uh, yeah. But you can still you can you can maintain yeah. that sort of air of, of um, mystery by not reiterating that. 
I got gotcha. you. Uh, and if you're gonna, so yeah, if you're gonna show an actor, absolutely. I can't remember the guy's name, but get that actor or get another Maori actor. Yeah. Um, but if you're not gonna, don't, don't at all. Certainly don't make it a fucking white dude. Um, yeah. We like don't need just that. yeah, but because that's the thing, Boba Fett shouldn't be a man outside that armor. Boba Fett is that armor. Like the look is so important to that character. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to take him out of the armor. I, I totally agree. I'm down with whatever Favreau is going to do. Um, he worked. I know he was involved with the voice work with the Clone Wars, and he did some voice work with um, um, Rebels. So he's. He in- was also. Wasn't he also the the one little monkey character in Solo? Yes, he was. Or am I, or am I confusing? With no, no, else? that was totally him. Yeah, that was totally him. Yeah. So, um, Marcus, can you hear us? I, I know you got your mic muted. Um, he's been having some some technical issues too. Oh, no. Uh, I know. It's just, it's one of those. What nights. a day. All right. Right. Um, I wanted to see if he had any input on. Yeah, there you go. Now we can hear yeah, you. It's just, it's good. Yeah, man, you're good. Um, All did, right, cool. Just any, make sure. any thoughts? Like, I know you're, you're a, a Star Wars fan to a, to a certain degree, but any thoughts on, on the new series that we're going to be seeing here with John Favreau? No, you guys kind of, kind of covered it actually. Like any, anything I thought about, you kind you, y'all kind of covered, covered, ah, excuse me, covered it already. Okay. Sorry. So that's tonight's Geek Sheets. What we're going to do is we are actually going to split this into two episodes, guys. So we're actually going to take a real quick break here. When we come back, we're talking about the DC Extended Universe. Oh, snap. But not only are we talking about the DC Extended Universe, we all want to know, what's the plan? Seriously. Like, what, what is their idea? Where are they going with this? Like, they just announced some news of somebody who might be joining the DCEU. And I know we all have opinions about that. So oh, yeah. as they like to call this in the, uh, in the pro world, uh, this is a little tease for what we're going to have coming up here next. We're going to be talking about some controversial stuff with the DCEU. So stay tuned, guys. We've got more GGR Pirate Radio coming up for you in just a couple minutes. I think we're going to go out on – Let's. I think there's only one way to do this. A little Metallica to, <laughs> to join us here. So, guys, stay tuned because we're really not going anywhere. We're just going to be quiet for like a minute here. So I know where to break this when I uh, do the podcast (laughs) version of this. So stay tuned, guys. We will be right back in just a couple minutes. This has been Pirate Radio Network production juice bag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, boy!